I want to drip into our fans' ears like warm gravy. Here we go. You're welcome, Trailer Park Podcast. Nathan, worried or excited? I'm excited. Daniel, it's a horror movie. Worried or excited? God damn it, I will kill myself. Worried. Are you worried or excited? An invitation for rigid and spastic penetration. You seem satisfied. Affirmative. The trailer made me emotional. Real lumpy flesh dragger. Raising awareness about masturbation addiction. Don't get it on my territory. I can't stand seeing someone do it worse. Oh my god, here it comes. Here it comes. It's so uh, wet. Oh my god, it's coming. Trailer Park Podcast, episode 109. I welcome friends and family to the podcast tonight. Uh, Daniel, please say hello to the to the billion. Wow. Hello, billion, 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 billion. Uh, Mrs. Carver. Mm. Hello. Mm. Uh, intern. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. Barely there as usual. Um <laughs> I'd like to point out what was that? What was it like? What was that thing back in the day where, or I think that still happens sometimes at weddings, where they don't even say Mrs. and like the woman's first name and then her new last name. They just say like, "and welcome, Mrs. Daniel Carver." Yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah. They, they totally do that. <laughs> that's yeah. fucking horrible. So weird. You're like, oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But that's what I want her to be referred to as now. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Sure. For the rest of this podcast, I'll refer to her as Mrs. Daniel Carver. No <laughs> problem. Uh, 109, folks. Okay. We're talking about energy um, that pursues its own goals. Okay. Goals it has determined by itself for itself. It is rarely swerved by other people's opinions. Okay. 109 is a serious number. It tends to benefit a great many people or even possibly the entire earth. Hmm. Wow. How often do you come across that number, though? Is that why? Is that why it's so powerful? Because it's so rare? Well, it's built on the foundation, right? Number one, uh, energy brings uh, self-reliance, exploration. Number zero adds wholeness, inclusiveness. Number nine itself provides humanitarianism and compassion. Daniel, it's, it's a combination of all three numbers, okay, culminating in an explosion. And could you also have it embedded inside another number, like, say, the year 2109, super lucky year? Well, when we get to episode 2109... You'll find out. Oh, season 22. It's be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the atomic number of uh, Mittnerium. Mit- yeah. A good one. Yes. Want to try it again? No, not at you're all. You're the editor. Not at all. Lately, uh, uh, Mrs. Daniel Carver, I don't know if you're aware, but lately we have been talking about the movies that don't make the cut. A lot of movies have been getting sliced off, like like fat off of a giant meat thing. Like in the movie Seven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I know about this and I also know that the that fat is where the flavor is. So typical oh. of this show to trim it off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with a dry, chewy uh, okay. gluten. One more peep out of you, Weisenheimer, and I'll butter your necktie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that butter it. What is I'll it? Does he mean does he mean butter. saturate his necktie in blood by slitting his throat? Is that was that what he's getting at? <laughs> I never thought about it that much, but I think maybe. Uh, so first one that didn't make the cut is Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, the what? comment that I have here from Sad Sack Producers, just a second here, is that uh, Emily Blunt looks like a great choice, but there's just nothing to talk about with uh, Poppins. So they didn't think it was worthy of the lineup. Too much Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda? Weird, oh, since right, yeah. Mrs. Yale Carver is sort of has some high up ties there 
and mm. I feel like she was really looking forward to it. Really? Yeah. It's fine. Well, I, 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 it's fine. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, you know, we could do a Lost Trailers episode if you want, and we could talk about Poppins. That's fine. I just, uh, yeah, I, I just do what the producers tell me to do. You know, that's that's my focus here. So, uh, yeah, what, Lost Trailers episode, which are, those are, of course, themes. So it have to be like uh, hopping on Poppins, where every trailer has to involve someone that can fly. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, Mortal Engines. Uh, cool idea. Uh, was the closest to making a lineup, but got cut in favor of producer bias. Oh, that's too bad. Interesting. Yeah. No, fair and balanced. I get it. You know when no. um, directors get too big and decide that uh, they can do whatever they want, even though we're not ready yet. Oh, we're and, not. We're not ready for Mortal Engines. Is that what you're saying? No, uh, technology's not ready for Mortal Engines. No, no. See, I know what you're getting at, intern. I know what you mean. Like, it's kind of like a. Um, crazy idea like that we don't have the technology yet to show it off without looking stupid which it should have just made it a cartoon which is, yeah, it should have been a cartoon at first i thought it was like a live action uh Howl's moving castle mm. yeah but then after watching it this like just earlier today i think for the first time like my jaw hit the floor because i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> and yes, that's the problem this should have been made by like troma or yeah full moon or yeah. it should have been super low budget this should be negative scale, but that's not. That looks like a zero. Oh, right. maybe it's a throwback to Meet the Feebles. It looks like um, Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> All right, what else do we got here? Uh, Bird Box. Sandra Bullock in a horror film by Netflix. Enough said. Okay. Well, Bird Box. Okay. I'm going to go check it out. Hmm. Bumblebee. <laughs> Bumblebee. There's a strict no Transformer movie mandate on TPP after episode five. Sorry. Well, I would like <laughs> yeah, to know yeah, I was that say. Uh, Transformers, <laughs> while dumpster fire garbage, for some reason, I think Bumblebee looks kind of good. I'm not going to see it, obviously, because I have pride in myself. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, As compared to all of the most recent ones, it looks mm. better. It looks like a, mm. a better... Sure. Movie. Premise. Yeah. yeah. Take take the. I agree. Take the weakest transformer of them all. Do an origin story. Great. That's yeah. Bullseye. I, I think the point is, uh, transformers at the level it's being produced at looks like immortal machines or whatever. And this is like an actual smaller story. But I would rather. I, I. I don't know. I feel like Bumblebee is might be better than Mortal Engines. That's very. But that's probable. <laughs> I feel like it's unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. But wouldn't be shocking. Yeah, there you go. How can one be better than the other? They it's both a, look like tr- just trash. I, it, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really the only thing that can save that Mortal Machines is if like, uh, if they, if they are just acting to like their balls to the wall acting and just taking everything super serious and then none of it works. That's the only way. What I'm hearing from <laughs> my husband, Mr. Daniel Carver, is that he wants to see it in the theater. I, I just want to, I want to see it like organically fail it's been a while you got a really good one. <laughs> i feel i feel like maybe it should have been done on a lineup after listening to you guys talk about it yeah um, it's, there's a lot of conversation to be had about yeah. this movie well that's why we do this that's why we do this we ferret out you know we this this is self no, you've already done the vetting it's like the honorable self, mentions self-auditing is taking place by doing this didn't make the cut segment okay um Welcome to Marwin is being cut because the victim plays with dolls and action figures to combat his psychosis in CGI. Ooh. And yeah, it looks real weird. Yeah, I don't the, think it, for it. Uh, it the, the, the quote, quote mm-hmm. here is that it made the sad sack producers feel ill after watching the trailer. 
So didn't want to have a conversation about it because that would have uh, made it feel more ill. So there it is. Ugh. It's got Corell in it, you said? Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. He's making some weird choices yeah, or somebody's making weird choices for him. I don't know. It's, it's Robert Zemeckis too. He's got this like, hey, why don't I do like emotional traumatic bullying drama uh, where this guy has a psychosis after getting the shit kicked out of him and I'll throw in some like Polar Express CGI. Perfect. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, it's not. It's not. It's an awful idea. And, and with that, uh, I think we have to jump into the material tonight, folks, because we got a lot to get to. Because one thing I didn't mes- mention off the top is that this could be one of the greatest episodes that's ever taken place on Trailer Park Podcast. There's a lot of excellent material that's been prepared by the produ- producers tonight. It isn't just the lineup. The lineup is, is fantastic as well, but, but it's the whole package. We've got a, an earth-shattering experience for you tonight. Well... I mean, I did return to the show, so that makes sense. That adds yeah. up. Yes, well. And it, it had been a while before that even, I think. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. All right, so in off the grab bag off the top, we have uh, the British Film Institute saying that they will no longer fund movies featuring villains with facial scars. What? Why? Ah, well, um, there's this whole social media campaign starting up, hashtag I am not your villain. It's in response to a Danish movie that was just made uh, surrounding people with scars on their faces and how, oh, hey, we've been too insensitive towards people with scars on their faces. Oh, look, a whole bunch of villains from the past have scars on their faces. That's really insensitive. We're no longer going to fund movies with uh, characters that have scars on their faces uh, that are being portrayed negatively or and or as villains. Yeah. And you're like, why would they do something so stupid like that? It's because they're control freaks. One and two. I'm sure they've already set up some sort of like weird racket around it as well, where they can charge existing studios and movie production studios to, uh, you know, you're going to get fined this amount of money unless you go back and like CGI out scars from like old movies. It's going to become like a weird erasing history, making money off each other while keeping medium and smaller size production companies from having the money to do so and get into the racket themselves. It's just another in a long line of social outrage and justice issues that seems a little bit over the top. Okay, so people with scars on their faces don't automatically turn into villains. So who is asking for this? Where is the outcry about this? Is there specific people that have scars on their faces from tragic accidents in their life that have gone out of their way to say, hey, that really upsets me when the Joker has scars on on the sides of his mouth and I really want something done about it? Nathan, there must be thousands and thousands of scar-faced children Hmm. that uh, just want to grow up to be the Joker. Well, in an odd twist tonight. And now they can't. Uh, Sadsack is offering an about-face, fuddy-duddy, flip-flop token tonight <laughs> to whomever can name the most villains and or TV characters who have scars on their faces. Scarface. That's one the for Joker. Andrew. Um, uh, I don't Dr. think people have a scar? Uh, yes, I think he does, Daniel. I'm going to give you one for that. I'm not going to give one to Andrew for the Joker because he was in the grab bag montage, so that's bullshit. Mrs. Daniel Carver, do you have a... Uh, a villain uh, with a scar. Um, I mean, would Two Face count? Sure, sure. 
Captain yeah, Hook. Yeah, it's probably the, the top, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Daniel Carver, do you have another one? Um, I mean, in that vein, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Dan- go. Daniel got one, Phantom of the Opera. Captain Hook. Uh, I don't think Captain Hook has a scar. He has. Okay, a, what he about a Scar? Okay, fine, Lion King Scar. That's, that's okay. No, okay, yeah. That's, that's on the nose. It's on the nose. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. hmm. I'm thinking Disney, and I don't know that there are any Disney villains with scars on their face. He just said one. What, what was it? Scar. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think you were Lion King. <laughs> the uh, the name. Kings. Um, think very hard. Think think very long about this. We want to make sure we hand the token out oh, to the right person. Like I think like all the Bond villains have scars. <sighs> yes, that's right. Some sort of facial deformity. Okay, but you have to name the specific uh, villains. Oh god, I don't. What was the Gold one? Goldfinger. Was the one from Skyfall? The one that has the cyanide scar. Mm. Uh, Doctor Evil. Mm. And I said Doctor Evil. You did. Okay, I'll give you that one, Daniel, for that one. Um, I don't remember his name either. There's uh, <laughs> there's the 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 diamond face guy from Die Another Day. <laughs> diamond face guy. Yeah, he has like he has like he has something some sort of machine explode in his face and like an embedded diamonds in his skin. Oh yeah, the guy in. Uh... Casino Royale. Daniel, no, I'm horribly, yeah, there you I'm, go. I'm horribly disappointed in you right now. But uh, yeah, that is another one. So I'm going to give you one for that. But I'm horribly disappointed in you because there's a very obvious one that you're not getting. That's that's in your wheelhouse. It's in your world. My world. Chucky is covered in scars. Oh, I'll give that's that true. one to Amanda. I mean, Freddy Krueger is like, just uh, ah, there it is. Krueger. Daniel got it. I guess Jason is also just a bunch of scars. <laughs> Every horror movie. So they, they say no horror movies. That's what they're saying. Dead. Yeah, Deadpool. <laughs> he's, is he a villain? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. He's not a villain. He's like one of the ones that gets to be the... Okay, I think it's very clear here that Daniel is, is winning this with a landslide. So, Daniel, you have received uh, an official about-face fuddy-duddy flip-flop token tonight. <gasps> you have the ability to uh, flip-flop someone's fuddy-duddy response to a movie. So if they're like, I'm worried, and you're like, fuck you, you can just flop their... Worried to and excited with your token, okay? What? Yeah. I will be incredibly irresponsible with this power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so moving right along here, this is um, this is good. There, there's more outrage happening now, too, with this whole Kevin Hart thing. Have you guys heard about the Kevin Hart thing? Oh, uh, yeah. He apologized to the LGBTQ community for things he said in previous acts yeah. a while ago. In 2010, Andrew, explain, elaborate. What is this? Uh, he was going to be the host of the Oscars. He said, thank you, Oscars. I look forward to hosting. And then 24 hours later was like, I'm not going to be the host anymore because I want this to be about people winning awards and not about anything that I've done in my past. I apologize. And that's that. So they get to find a new host now Yeah, because Kevin Hart said some stuff about uh, being gay. Yeah, he said a bunch of jokes on Twitter in 2010 about, you know, not letting his son be gay. He would stop it from happening and using the F word, not the fuck, but the fag. Uh, he also word. did his stand-up, one of his biggest stand-up mm-hmm. shows. He talks about how every kid has a gay moment and you have to stop it mm. right yeah. away. There you go. See? So just more outrage, right? And that's that's leaning towards kind of the uh, the second installment uh, tonight on episode 109 of The Court of Social Justice. <laughs> That's right. We. Yeah, this whole thing... I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, no. No, please. I mean, 
Mrs. Daniel Carver, please. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I heard about this today and I was reading some stuff about it and uh, we'll get into the, you know, the, the, the moral outrage, I'm sure. But no matter where we fall on that, this is the Oscars fault, right? Like you didn't <laughs> vet this person at all. Like you did not pause for a second to think about the choice you were making. You didn't anticipate the fallout. And so for that, I blame the Academy. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I think, no, you know what? Mrs. Daniel Carver brings up a great point here. Uh, the point is that you need, you should be, especially after the James Gunn stuff and everything else, like you, you should be looking through everybody's social media history thoroughly before you offer them any jobs at all. Yeah, you don't even have to go back to 2010, 2011 to be offended by Kevin Hart. This year, evidently, he threw his one-year-old son at Cowboys and Indians party <laughs> that everybody was outraged about, and he refused to apologize. I don't think he should apologize, you no. know, whatever. But, like, there's already, like, very recent stuff that people are mad about. Why yeah. are you offering him this yeah. job? Yeah, you already made it very uh, clear last year that you don't want the Oscars to be edgy at all. So why are you openly hiring an edgy host? Exactly. You can't. You can't. I don't know what I was going to say. You can't hire anyone. And move on. Everyone has done something where there is a tiny group of people that hate them and have social outrage over something every person has said at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which yeah. means they just I mean, need to hire a robot. I mean, we can clip probably a hundred instances of you offending people personally. Okay, <laughs> and um, and he he had the right response the first time. I don't see why he went backwards mm-hmm. instead of forward. You don't ever apologize to these outraged people. It's people that just get outraged about everything. They just want to be outraged. They'll find any reason. They'll break reality apart into different little fragments just to find one that's being oppressed somehow. They'll do it. It doesn't matter. You apologizing just makes them like stick their fingers in and want mm-hmm. more. Yeah. So that was that was the big part. That was his big failure. And the other part of his failure was that he made the mistake of coming out a little while ago and being like, "Man, I'm not really going to get involved in like political side choosing." That was a mistake. If you're in Hollywood, you're on their side, and they want you to say it. Yeah, you're right too. It's a vicious circle, right? And that's why here, I mean, it is a vicious circle. It is a hot button topic, and that's why the Sad Sack Supreme Court of Social Justice exists. Um, we are all honored tonight as justices of the Sad Sack Supreme Court. So, Justice Daniel. Justice Mrs. Daniel Carver, uh, <laughs> Justice Intern, and uh, and Justice Nathan here to preside over, again, some sad sack has taken some more calls uh, from some of the billion uh, <laughs> regarding some hot-button topics and issues being brought forward by tonight's lineup. As honorable justices of the sad sack Supreme Court of Social Justice, we will be reviewing these phone calls and discussing whether the issues being brought forward should be taken seriously or if they should be dismissed. Are you ready for the first call, everybody? Uh, yes. Okay. We are ready to listen to the first call. Okay, here we go. Yes, hello. I just wanted to say that I think this new movie coming out with um, Clint Eastwood starring in it, um, it's called The Mule, and it is horribly offensive. Um, it is clear Elder, my parents suffered uh, through elder abuse in the home. Well, it was it was it was a care facility, and basically, um, they were abused. And I don't like elder abuse. It is it has um, put a very dark cloud over my family. And I don't appreciate this movie here showing a ninety-year-old man being taken advantage of clearly by drug dealers who 
wants to watch that. That is disgusting. It is offensive. I am, I am, I'm horribly <laughs> outraged by it. This needs to stop oh right now. <laughs> okay, so the issue is being brought forth here. Should we be boycotting this film because of the elder abuse in it? This is the mule. Um, will this bring uh, some much-needed attention to the problem of elder abuse? We're talking about a 90-year-old man being taken advantage of by a Mexican drug cartel. Uh, justices? Uh, is it is that what the whole movie is, just, a, just torturing an old man? Well, no. It's a 90-year-old man who's kind of uh, put himself in a rough spot, and he chooses to engage in being a drug mule for the Mexican drug cartel. And, uh, you know, it ends up uh, it ends up in a sad tale of, of elder abuse, is my understanding. Uh, well, if it's, if it's telling a tale, is, was it based on a true story? I don't think so. No. I, it could have been. Intern, do you know? Um, I think the abuse that we need to try to avoid here is how high the mule's pants get to his nipples uh, in this film. And if they're touching the nipples, it's too much that Justice Intern just committed elder abuse. Uh, Justice Mrs. Daniel Carver, didn't he just make fun of Clint Eastwood? I think he did. Really Those ages. pants are so did. high. Wow. unfucking believable uh, Okay, well, I think that maybe it is an issue, and maybe it does need to be addressed, but, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe The Mule by Clint Eastwood, maybe what we should be saying is that The Mule by directed and, and starring Clint Eastwood is not the place to have that conversation, perhaps. Perhaps it should just be a movie, and the elder abuse conversation should take place separately. Do, do you agree? Uh, yeah, or how about it just, you know, if you don't want to see it because it involves elder abuse, don't see it, and then you can go, uh, I don't know, volunteer at you a... Can- Retirement home or something. And watch some real elder abuse. Eastwood, I mean. He can't make a movie about his own people getting tortured. Right, exactly. Mm, That's an excellent point. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He could do a movie about elder abuse. Sure, he's an elder. Yeah, I feel like like they're infringing on his free speech. Mm. Agreed. Call number two. Thank you. I'm calling in um, to talk about something very serious. I... I'm offended by this new movie, Aquaman. <laughs> Again, with this uh, masculinity just dominating everything. It's very upsetting. I um, I identify, I personally identify as a mer person. And I find that this movie is offensive, not only because it is going under the water into Atlantis and pointing out that, that, that mer people are there but it is it is whitewashing this whole environment and i find that the whitewashing is simply unacceptable i think there should be much more diversity uh, brought to this film and there just simply is not simply no diversity in this film whatsoever everyone is just is pale white and it's 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 really not inclusive at all it's very upsetting and when for someone who identifies as a mer person i find that that kind of environment puts on me something it, it, it forces me to think about uh, being a mer person uh, only around other white people, and I don't think that's very fair because I feel I identify as a mer person regardless of where I am and who I'm around. And I think that that this movie should reflect um, how I identify uh, with myself as a mer person. Uh, I just I want to thank you for taking the time to listen uh, to my call in today, and um, you all have a great day. I love the show. Okay, okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> Number one, isn't Jason Momoa Pacific Islander? I wouldn't really qualify that as. I think it's 
whitewashing him to call <laughs> him white. Yeah. Mm. You said it. That is not celebrating his culture at all. There's a lot of white. There's, there's a lot of white around him down there. There's a lot of assuming. That's very racist, actually. I think um, only people that have scales on their uh, genitals can speak about oh, okay. aqua people. Mm. So you should speak about aqua people in turn because that thing is because uh, my dick is super scaly. Covering scales <laughs> just a dick, though. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Oh but yeah, isn't uh, being a mer person when you say you're a mer person when you're a human being? Um, are you not appropriating actual mer people's culture? Right. Well, I don't know if I don't. Uh, I'm doing this uh, this podcast from the tub right now, or else I'll turn into sea foam. Yeah, and he's having his legs fused together. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a movie that never got made. Can we talk about movies that never got made on a show? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I'll make a note of that. Yeah. Yeah. There was supposed to be like a more realistic, dark Little Mermaid mm. that I don't think ever got off the ground. I think, I think the Russians might have done it. Yeah, for sure. sure. I own it on Criterion. It's great. Mm. Oh, sh- Damn it. I'm being nice to intern today. It's like splash. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, shh. Ha. Okay. Yeah. So what's going on here? They're claiming whitewashing. Maybe we'll find out a little bit more in the trailer. We'll be able to speak to whether there's actual whitewashing happening here in Aquaman. Um, Yes, Aquaman, I get that part of it, but I would also point out Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, very gender neutral there. And interns bringing up the whole uh, sex versus gender identity issue, and that's just too large of of a topic for us to cover here on the social justice uh, panel. That's true. Yeah. Uh, But speaking of superheroes, it has also been brought to the attention of Sad Sack Studios and the Sad Sack Studio uh, Court of, of Social Justice, that there has been some discrimination within the superhero community. Some very serious exclusion going on within their ranks. And we're also being asked tonight to review a few of these superheroes that have been essentially just thrown out of the superhero community. And we need to discuss whether they should be reintegrated back into the community and if their rights have been violated in any way. Okay. So the first one up is called Snowflame. Now I'm going to be sharing the uh, picture of Snowflame <laughs> in the uh, in the screen here. Let's see if I can uh, get this here. Do you guys uh, can, can can you see Snowflame right now? Yes, we yes. can. Okay, all right. Snowflame has only ever appeared in one comic. Okay, uh, on the surface, he's just a guy with super stamina, strength, and something called blast power. Uh, but Snow, the issue that uh, caused the exclusion and the, and the discrimination in this case is that Snowflame gets his powers from snorting cocaine. <laughs> hey, hey, a drug addict superhero. That's diverse. I think that he should be immediately reinstated. I think that he should be reintegrated. And I think they should be making a movie about Snowflame. This is, this is a Deadpool meta comedy all over it right here. This is a great opportunity. But let's, let's like social justify him. So... Okay. Instead of cocaine, he like when he places his hands on white people, he draws their life essence out of them into he draws himself. Their, their white privilege. Yeah, he yeah he, <laughs> he absorbs their privilege. They have to rename him as the nationalist, and they they then he blasts out uh, privilege power. <laughs> oh my God! Look privilege, at these photos. Privilege blast power. All right, what do we got here? Uh, next one up is Big Bertha. Honey, is that what I look like? Oh my God. Uh, okay, so she is That's a, just the blob. <laughs> no, 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 no. She is a mutant who transforms her body 
into 630 pounds, which also gives her the superhuman strength and stamina, but she normally looks like a sexy and thin supermodel. So the exclusion or the issue here is that it's her path from fat to thin. Uh, when she stops being Big Bertha, that's, that's the major problem. She literally pukes the fat from, <laughs> from, from her body to reduce back to the fit model body she normally possesses. Oh my God, I can get a toy. That would be a dope toy. <laughs> it also like teaches the weird sort of subconscious message that you're not powerful unless you're fat. Ooh, that's a good point. That maybe you eliminate her transition shit because the puking part can easily be eliminated. That was the part that got her discriminated. I think yeah. the... Uh, yeah, it also says uh, best way to lose weight quickly, puke. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be very offensive to folks with... Uh, eating disorders yeah no. i agree i agree so maybe there is, is there some wiggle room here though or is this she, should she just remain <clears throat> on the outs Why don't just have a fat superhero oh that's I'm a cool. good idea yeah yeah she could just remain. that's what i mean though that there is like yeah. the blob from x-men it's just a giant fat fucking dude he and we need female yeah get him yeah get him a lady all right mrs blob you know like miss pac-man <laughs> all right uh number three um okay is he she Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this character also only appeared in one comic. Um, he, she is literally half man and half woman. He, she is somehow able to stand in profile and perfectly mask one side of his or her face, which is how he or she uses her powers of seduction or mighty man strength against an unwitting enemy. Uh, she is not, he, she is not a transvestite or a transsexual, or a transsexual, uh, literally half man, Half woman stuck together in an amalgam of human sexuality. Is, yeah, the, is, is the world ready? So it's just like Two Face. He, she. Yeah. Two Face is very close to this transition. Yeah. It's like Two Face with makeup. But what's the genitals? What do you mean half? Complete half? What does that mean? Well, it means the penis is uh, shorn in half. You have half of a penis. So, like, someone took like a cylinder and just like cut it straight. Or maybe, down from the top. maybe the penis is like a full penis, but one half of it is a vagina. Yeah, know. maybe they're like offset, mm. like a full penis and a full vagina, just yeah. offset in the body. You know? No, no, no. Like it's a it's a massive cock, and half of the cock is a vagina. Vagina. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, turn. Like, oh. like the like like there's like an opening between the on scrotum. the side. Yeah. Like oh. or maybe like <laughs> maybe like pull the the shaft apart from the ball sack mm. and the vagina's in there. Oh, it's underneath, yeah. like a hat, like a smiley face. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> but that's what I mean, though. You know, if they're saying it's perfectly in half, then it's not like at the genitals. You know, they gerrymander around everything. That's true. To make sure that they get perfect gen. No, that's mm. it's. There's a disgusting mess down there. Yeah, that's why this didn't last because that thing died. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a note here. Both, uh, maybe uh, put them together. Put them together. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, we have a shithead. <laughs> oh, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, uh, in the movie with Alanis Morissette. Yeah, Dogma. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> shithead is made entirely of human excrement, specifically yeah. the feces of the 666 most evil people that have ever lived. In addition mm, to being made of crap, he has the ability to control his density or elasticity after his size and shape. Uh, to alter his size and shape, sorry. He is super strong, and he can heal from most injuries. And he just, like, makes everyone around him puke. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessary to let Shithead back in. I think that uh, 
someone made up of the 666 most uh, evil people's feces is uh, is good where he is. I don't I don't see. I mean, I'm not for discrimination, but I think this this guy's just a mess. I mean, what, what do you guys think? He is gross. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. every superhero should have to wade through a little shit head to get where they're going. Also, they just let him in. The, what, what, what comic line is this? <laughs> like Savage Dragon? I think this is like a special one, like a like not a mainstream one. Yeah, this is not DC or Marvel or anything, no, right? I, don't, I, don't Damage. So. I really do. I mean, they really did do this in Dogma. Like, I know. I know. He's, yeah. he's a shit demon, and he mm. supposedly comes from the shit of all of the other people other than Jesus Christ that they crucified. Murderers, rapists, blah, 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 blah. And it made this shit demon. So it's already been done. We don't need this again. That's a good point, too. Already been done. Let's move on. Uh, last one tonight, we have a Star Fox, also known as Eros, the brother of Thanos. Uh, Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox, has the power to induce a euphoric state of pleasure in anyone around him. Yeah. The result is that a few words, or even just his presence, can make anyone ridiculously attracted to him and regard him as their closest friend, usually with benefits. There are, of course, sorry, she hold chick all slutted up on him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There are, of course, exceptions. He once tried to overwhelm a rampaging Hulk, and he got uh, punched into next week. Uh, But since he can't turn it off, he's basically just a walking thirst trap who frequently indulges in the results. So he's like a walking sexual problem. This is offensive, and I'll Mm. tell you why. Okay. This, as a Sex Addict Anonymous member, I am not your villain or your hero. Right. Sex addiction is real. Right. Your, Your life is not his costume. That is right. (laughs) <laughs> also, this person exists in real life, and his name is Mr. Daniel Carver. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm glad you said it for me. Um, all right. Uh, I think that we I, all... I, I, I want this character to return, though, because you can you can do something with that kind of power. You can really yeah. blow it out, like explore all little nooks and crannies of it. Of yeah. course, like immediate, obvious stuff, mm. like they're already using it for, which is him just like indulging in fucking these random mutant women all the time. But like maybe he loses, don't maybe he loses control of it and like can't control the power. And like maybe sometimes it's like it like floats out to Max and he's just like, you know, because I thought when you said that he would try to do it on the Hulk that he just got raped. <laughs> or, or real life, what if he just like gets you can just trap him in an orgy? Yeah. Like he can't escape. Right. He has like a, like a, like a tales from the crypt episode. Like they're just like, we want more. And he's just sitting there. He looks like a dried out skeleton. Well, from what I read, Marvel just kind of sent him back to Titan, which is where Thanos and Eros are from and just kind of buried him out there and didn't, didn't talk about him anymore. And you can kind of see in the current climate of, uh, you know, sexual allegations and stuff that Eros wouldn't really be appropriate right now, but he's definitely an ace in the hole. I agree. He can definitely come back out. There's a lot you could do with this guy. He's great. And I'd like to do a throw out here. Uh, Sad Zach says, go to uh, grunge.com. Most inappropriate comic book comics, comic book characters ever. If you want to see the full list, it's a whole bunch more. And uh, these are the ones that they selected for tonight's episode. And with that said, we're going to move on, folks. We got uh, we got to move on to the lineup. We got to get this shit in the bag and step into the uh, portal machine that takes us from this area into the trailer viewing room. Yeah. Yeah. It's elaborate and it's tiresome, but take us there. Well, 
<laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I think the cool billion really appreciates the uh, trailer viewing room experience where we transition from one segment of the show to the other. But yes, I will uh, begin the process. Is everyone ready? Ready. Engage us. Check it out. Arthur is talking to the fish. Family's the most important thing. Everything all right, Chris? Everything's fine. What makes you different is what makes you Spider-Man. Whoa. Has everybody steadied themselves after that ride? Holy shit. That was crazy. Uh, Trailer number one, our headliner tonight is... Aquaman. Aquaman. Here we go. My father was a lighthouse keeper. My mother was a queen. But life is a way of bringing people together. He could unite our worlds one day. Check it out. Arthur is talking to the fish. They made me what I am. Permission to come aboard. looking for you. Your half-brother, King Orm, is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king. Trust me, I am no king. You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pep talk ever. I want to strap in. excited well let's see here what, what, what do we got here uh a black panther ripoff 
Uh, okay, advanced technology hidden from the rest of the world. Check. Battle between warring members of a royal family. Check. And an all-black cast. <laughs> <laughs> Check. Well, we said Pacific Islander, right? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's the narrative here? Um, DC's been struggling. Marvel has been dominating. There's a surprising amount of positive feedback about this movie, both critically and from comments on YouTube. People are acting like this movie is going to be good. It's the director of Saw and Furious Seven, James Wan. It's PG thirteen. It's two hours and twenty three minutes long. I'm worried. Yeah, and I think that you should be. This movie, and it's DC, so it's not, it's not going to have the right tone to it. The tone feels wrong in the trailer, and I'm pretty sure it's going to carry through to the viewing. It needed, for this weird, like, underwater world thing, they needed to have, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy-type tone. Like, it's all very crazy and weird, so we have to ground everything with humor and music. And you can see how they tried to do it with humor, but it's like, ugh. It's not hitting. It's not. That's not DC's forte. And it doesn't feel like it's hitting. Momo is trying. You can see him. He's trying. Mm-hmm. But uh, it looks like it's going to be real fucking weird. Just really mm-hmm. weird. And two and a half hours of weird. I don't know if I can make it. I'm worried. Uh, Mrs. Daniel Carver? Um, same. I mean, I think I can safely say that I've not seen any of the DC movies all the way through. Wonder <laughs> Woman? Not a single one. Not even Wonder Woman? That's the one that everybody no. champions. No. I've not seen a second of Wonder Woman. I think I saw parts of Batman versus Superman. Um, that God, yeah, I've just missed all of them. And this one's not drawing me in either. Um, yeah, it just seems like lame. But you like Momoa, right? I do. Yeah. I do. I really do. And I, I want him to be successful. And I guess he will be monetarily. But I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. This movie launching him. Well, into- it's, it's already made over a hundred million dollars in China. It is being critically applauded. It is the comments on YouTube. People are disagreeing with us. They are saying that they're interested. And I have a glare. I have a big question too, which is, I think they they made a mistake when they chose Ben Affleck as Batman because I think it forced them to do a timeline that. DC shouldn't have done. I mean, Avengers Endgame is coming in April, and then it's going to be into phase, you know, 15 or whatever of the Marvel franchise. And a bunch of those guys are going to drop off. And that was DC's window. After the Avengers Endgame was their window. And they they pumped out Justice League before Aquaman, before The Flash, before God knows what else. Like, they just forced Justice League upon us. And I don't think uh, it was critically awful, and it was... Yeah, like there's just something poor decision making is at the heart of DC's whole situation. Right. And I feel like they got into like the TV aspect of it real early. Mm. And that that was probably that was a good move. I I know that's where they've been successful is is, has been in like the TV area because they wanted to like parse everything out and stretch everything out as as far as possible, give everyone their own storylines and then link them in later with weird crossover episodes, which is great. So maybe it's weird for them to then also create this whole other universe that exists in the movies that's separate from that and has different actors. Maybe they have difficulty with that or they just got locked. But yeah, the timing, you're right. They should have taken that window. They should have built up to that window because that's when characters people love are going to fall off. They're going to replace them and they're only going to be like, what, 70% successful with those replacement characters. Mm-hmm. That was their shot. It was their shot. They, they failed in building a universe 
which is a thorn in the side of the intern. Intern, speak to this Aquaman business. Um, first off, when Aquaman says permission to come aboard, permission granted. Hmm. I mean, <sighs> I chuckled at that. That was funny. That Those part. muscles. That part was funny. Those scales. Do you guys chuckle at that? I chuckled at that. If Momoa could just speak Dothraki throughout this whole film, I would be in heaven. Mm. Unfortunately, yes, the universe must continue. Every universe needs to have every facet. Air, wind, fire, water. This is the water version of the DC universe. The great thing about the Aquaman comics is that they're so awkward and horrible that they're great. Mm. Oh, wait. Negative, this has negative that scale, opportunity. Are you saying negative scale comics exist? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. they exist. Uh, it's just ridiculous. But uh, what's happened here is in the comics, Aquaman is super white. And uh, Momoa's Islander heritage is uh, taking the white role away from mm-hmm. the real dorky Aquaman that I have grown to love in the comic books. There's also a lot of attack on Aquaman from like a meme, like a family guy, robot chicken standpoint. Oh, Aquaman's like the joke of the whole <laughs> DC world. Yeah. Like He's joke in the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to joke about any, <laughs> any one superhero that's had multiple comics. Here comes the fish talker. Yeah. Yeah, it should have been like it should have been a hilarious, like different at like different corner, like a Deadpool corner of the DC universe is what this should have come out as. Right. Except instead of being like clever and funny, it would just be sad and hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. It Um, should be Elijah Wood playing like a Aquaman that just everything. Yeah. Like Percy Jackson kid cooler than this. Yeah. Yeah, Logan yeah. Norman. Yeah. yeah, and the beanstalk and the lightning rod or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The Pers- Olympic, yeah. yeah. Lightning. The Olympians. Um, <laughs> the lightning thief. <laughs> yeah. It's the thief of lightning. <laughs> gotcha. Also, um, there's two problems with DC. One, uh, Christopher Nolan has nothing to do with it anymore. Ugh. That's the biggest problem. Ugh. The second problem is that Superman as a character is fucking boring. There's a problem with somebody who is indestructible. Except how can how can that be your superhero? Except like in number th- lead. Except in number three when he gets drunk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how can your lead guy have no flaws, no character flaws? It's bullshit. Um, bring back he's like bring back Nolan and Batman and uh, build things around them. I don't know. They should bring Nolan. Aronofsky wanted in there. They should take advantage of that. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. We're all worried. Fuck DC. But wait, inter isn't there like an even more pathetic little side apprentice of Aquaman, Aqualad? <laughs> isn't Aqualad? He like wears like a diaper. I I hovered over the buzzer for Aqualad. I feel like I hope Aqualad shows up. Uh, that's, that's, that's not gonna happen. No, that's Aquaman too. Aqualad is definitely that would be Aquaman four. Oh, okay. Aquaman in space with Lad. I like that he remembered that four was space. You've trained him, Daniel. You've trained him. Right. Trained him well. Chatter two tonight, everybody, is uh, a little elder abuse. A little the mule. The mule. 
Here we go. Need help, sir? Oh, uh, officer, hi. You need help? Uh, no, no, and I'm fine, thank you. What do you got there? Uh, well, pecans. I'm delivering pecans to my niece. And pecans? Yeah, pecans. She makes the worst pecan pie you've ever tasted. I feel sorry for her husband, but, and I feel sorry for pecans, too. <laughs> yeah. most important thing. Don't do what I did. I put work in front of family. I thought it was more important to be somebody out there than the damn failure I was in my own home. Was a terrible father. husband knew my chance I didn't deserve forgiveness this is the last one so help me God this is the last one Intern, we're excited. Well, I believe that Clint Eastwood uh, has hit his prime three times in his life, and I don't expect him to do it ever again Um, as a director. What's that? This is not number three. No, this this would be number four, um, but I don't think it's happening. I am not interested... uh, Bradley Cooper has done a lot in uh, the last film I watched him in to rein me into enjoying him as a performer. And I don't want to see Bradley Cooper in another Clint Eastwood movie because the last time I saw him in a Clint Eastwood movie is why I don't like him. Hmm. Um, so he's a, he's a DEA agent in this one. Pretty pretty straightforward character and you're you're going to flounder around like a little bitch. With all your worries and concerns? I just, I need to be like the cargo and just get hauled out of here. I'm worried. To clarify for everybody, the three that he's referring to, and you can agree or disagree, are Unforgiven, Million Dollar Baby, and Letters from Iwo Jima. Those are the three that the intern considers to be the home run balls. Exceptional movies. In Clint Eastwood's directing career, which I'm surprised to find out goes all the way back to the fucking 70s. I had no idea this man was directing movies in the 70s. And I think there's a good chance that he's the only uh, the only Hollywood uh, person, 
that'll be directing movies well after he's 100 years old. This man is a machine. Oh, I thought this was on here because he's 109. <laughs> <laughs> this looks great. It's got the great feeling. It's got that Gran Torino million dollar baby feeling. Same music going on. You know, it fits perfectly. It's some New York Times article I found out uh, that it's based on some 90-year-old horticulturalist. This is a fucking true story. Or is it fake news, New York Times? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, what do we got here? 90-year-old man breaks bad as a drug courier for a Mexican cartel, confuses his life, gets confused. DEA closes in. He's got to make a deal. He's got to make a decision. Rated R, hour and 56 minutes. Clint Eastwood is quite possibly the last Hollywood relic with true, untarnished, legendary status. And that gets an excited from Nathan on Trailer Park Podcast 109. Oof. Do you think that he like started directing so early and has become almost more known as a director than as an actor almost because he spent so much of his early acting career kind of playing the same roles? And I feel like guys that do that after a while, when he's watching the director try to direct him, he's just like, no, scoot over. I'm going to take over. I, I know what's happening here. Like, I feel like they gain that confidence from playing the same role over and over and being like, I'm going to make a Western. I know how to fucking do a Western. Shut up. And then they sort of just like find this weird little groove of talent that they didn't know they had before. Um, well, I'm surprised to see him in a movie again. I think this 90-year-old storyline is kind of unique and it kind of forced him back into the acting role for this specific story. You know, Nathan, you've had every Clint Eastwood movie directorial movie come out um on tpp since tpp started it is all 2014 you've had jersey boys american sniper sully for this shit okay (laughs) the 15 17 to paris and now the mule that's five films yeah he's He's a tpp staple yeah he is he's an american hero oh not a canadian hero okay (laughs) no He's not a Canadian hero. He's an American hero. He's like hardcore face, if there was one, of, uh, you know, the right. He's a, he's, he's a, hard, he's a flag-waving lunatic, this man. Yeah, he's sort of like the continuation of John Wayne. There you go. What I'll say about this is uh, I like this trailer. This trailer is like kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a nice sort of like sunset almost vibe to it. You can tell that it's going to have some super intense moments in it. But I also know just from the rest of the cast and people floating around, there's just something, I don't know. I feel like I'll, this is a movie I'm going to get around to. So I'm going to give it a worried. But I will. I did want to point out that I admired the trailer since that's sort of become like a, a, a background feature of our podcast here in its later, later stages. Is that this, this is a well-done trailer. I'm drawn in. If I didn't have the expertise of doing this show, I would have just stumbled into an excited. But, you know, there's a nuance there now. Well, I want to remind you that you have the about face fuddy-duddy flip-flop token available to you, and you could use it on yourself. <laughs> turn, just turn it around. Mrs. Uh, Daniel Carver, enlighten us about the mule, please. Um, so I think it's interesting that Mr. Daniel Carver said that he has, quote-unquote, expertise. <laughs> he donned himself an expert. Um that's what happens when you hit 100 episodes. Mm, I, I don't think so. <laughs> um, now, I, as someone with depth and range in terms of my tastes that I don't know that anybody else on this show can match, will say that this is a very good trailer. Don't listen to Daniel. Listen to me. Because <laughs> um, I've seen a couple of other trailers for this movie, and they've not, like, I. before I get to my conclusion, they've not drawn me in as much. 
But this one, I will say to the producers of the show that this was a very good trailer. This gives you a little bit more um, insight into Clint Eastwood's character and where he's coming from and his background and his family and his whole shtick that I found very compelling. The other trailers that I've watched, I've also found very, um, I've wanted to, okay, I'm going to give it an excited. We'll just go ahead and throw that out there. I have not been interested in a Clint Eastwood movie in a long time, probably since Million Dollar Baby. And honestly, until I saw that movie, I don't think I wanted to watch it. And then I saw it and it was pure gold. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I say that and it's like, I don't want to watch it again because I cry for literally 45 minutes straight. (laughs) Um, Um, Amanda. Yes. Are you still excited to watch this movie with the knowing assumption that he killed a dog? He has to kill a dog. Is a dog killer. He killed that dog and he killed that dog. It's also like a 13 minute graphic scene of him putting heroin balloons up his ass. If it launches (laughs) into from him killing a dog to Keanu Reeves hunting him down in the Mexican desert, yes. Oh, a little crossover (laughs) cameo. I am fucking all in excited. Mm -hmm. Um, But he like shoots him real quick. He drops a bag. He's dead. Keanu goes on and then. Brolin comes in from No Country oh, for Old yes. Men. Yeah. And then, and then, what is, is it, is it Antonio? It's not Antonio Banderas. Who's the one from those other movies with the music? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know you should see the hand gestures. She's like conducting. <laughs> oh, know what I'm talking about. From the music. Uh, um, they just made a sequel, El Soldado. <laughs> oh, uh, Benicio oh. del Toro. Yeah, Benicio comes in and it's like a mega crossover. And we've got real Hollywood going on here. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I want to see the movie that I just made. Yeah, it eventually erupts in a Roger Rabbit orgy. Oh. And Benicio walking around going, I flip you. Flip this, you good. This is great stuff, guys. Uh, before I buzz this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a YouTube comment highlight that I found on the mule saying, my mom named me Clint after Clint Eastwood. It's crazy how honored I am to be named after such a badass. People made fun of my name for a long time in middle school and high school, but I always got in the Clint Eastwood state of mind. And it's always made me feel so powerful and gave me so much confidence. Thanks for being such a great public figure for me, Clint. From Clint. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sad, sad Clint. Oh, Clint on Clint. That's his claim to fame, hey? A review about Clint Eastwood from Clint nobody from from nathan's perspective unforgiven lights out top 10 it's in my top 10 it will remain in my top 10 that movie is fucking badass clint eastwood's badass clint you're a staple here at tpp and we appreciate you all right trailer number three uh from the director nicholas pesky director of eyes of my mother this is his new one this is piercing Piercing. Here we go. I seem to have left something in my room. Have a good night, sir. I see this playing out in one of three ways. You want to know? Oh, yeah, of course. That's why I called him. 
The victim has to be a prostitute. Your guess is underway, huh? Thank you. The first step is to get her tied up and gagged. She'll probably try to run and scream. Is everything all right, sir? Everything's fine. You could still kill her. What? <laughs> the first one, she knows what's going on. I want a way to remember this. She's being fake. The second one is, but she's like crazy and wants to die. So take her home and stop her, right? Yeah. What's the third? Third one is... She wants to buy some time. What's the nastiest thing you've ever done? Oh, God, I don't like that one. I know, that's the worst. Just wanted to make you happy. There's something wrong with you. All right, Daniel, you worried or excited about piercing? I'm excited. I remember Eyes of My Mother. I remember being excited about that one. I remember possibly even picking that one for special attention when it was slotted in the first place. And I know that his movie or his directing style, while has sort of a weird sort of, what's the right word? There's like a mundaneness almost to the trailers for this guy's movies that don't reflect the fun of the weird depth that they go into when the movie plays itself out. <clears throat> I feel like that's here a little bit in this, but otherwise I, I love this trailer. You can tell it's got a real dark humor to it, like real dark, which is kind of where you need to go. People always try to ride the middle and uh, it will frequently fail in a really weird feeling way, like very bad things comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, this... I feel like we'll be successful in that. And it has the interesting factor of it looks like he's in a bizarre situation where he has to kill someone where he normally wouldn't. And then the woman that he's been assigned to kill or has chosen to kill is into the idea of being killed. Is that, did I catch that correctly? The, the official synopsis is a man kisses his wife and baby goodbye and seemingly heads away on business with a plan to check into a hotel, call an escort service and kill an unsuspecting prostitute. Okay, so we don't know what his motives are, but he could just be into it and, and just wants to try it all of a sudden out of the blue because his life is kind of weird and boring, or we don't know. It comes across be... to me like someone who is act. It's a it's a story about somebody potentially acting, um, a- actively engaging in the act of willfully killing someone, and it almost like twisting existentially into the mental psychosis that would take place <clears throat> in that process. Yeah, and I'm glad that it showed the author's name of the book that it's based on because the whole, the whole time watching it i was like this has a, a like a japanese horror vibe to it because they love like the shit that really makes you close your eyes and go Arr! so like just <laughs> when you said the name piercing i was like that's got a that's got an asian vibe to it for sure because uh you can just see when she like stabs the little ice pick into his abdomen like that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. But yeah, all this, yeah, it looks it looks weird. It looks fun. It looks dark. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be surprised a time or two 
in a, in a big way. So I'm excited. Rated R, one hour, 21 minutes. Mrs. Daniel Carver. I am very excited. So this, the um, lead actor, I think his name is Chris Abbott, Christopher Abbott. Right. Like Otherwise known as American Jon Snow. Yes. yes. Yeah, he has yeah. a lot of look too. Yeah. He does, but he was in Girls. Yeah, he was a a side character in the first. I mean, he he popped up all over the place, but um, I always thought he was really attractive and and good, and so I'm glad to see that he has um, you know, found another you know he, he, that he's still around, that he's still working and things like that. Um, I think that the the prostitute, the blonde chick, has that like fun like fucking wackadoo look about her Hmm. that really is gonna drive this crazy story the director's good at finding the right woman yeah i mean she's got the look she's alice it's alice in wonderland oh yeah oh my god yeah that's who that is yeah um that like sharp blunt haircut just (laughs) just crazy um i do i hope that it's as like darkly funny as the trailer is selling me I hope that there's not too much, um, what do we say it, quote persuasion going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you give me a runtime of an hour 20, yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's even if it's slow, it's still... Right? It's pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Yeah. How, can, how can Pesky fuck this up? I hope I'm saying that right. I'm, I apologize, Nicholas, if I'm saying your last name incorrectly. Pesky, because you're obviously listening to our podcast. Right. <laughs> like those pieces of shit. This is going to get back around to you. Pesky, how- Pesky. How how can Pesky fuck up an hour and twenty one minutes with a story based on Asian horror? Like I don't understand how that could be fucked up. I was really disappointed. I was just on my my Google box while the trailer was playing because I had seen it before, so I could do that. Um, I had read books by someone else named Murakami, and then I found out that it was not the same writer. So I was like, oh, man, because I, I read another like Japanese author who's written very like surreal, strange. Stuff yeah, he's really awesome. Like. Well, but um, it's honest, not honestly, honestly, um, all Mirakamis are are they, are alike. They have a strong, <laughs> strong relationship to success. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the same. So yeah. So you're excited. Very much so. Very much so. I am also excited. I feel like I've participated in the conversation already, so I'm just going to say I'm excited and for all the reasons mentioned and throw it to the intern. Intern, um, regale us. Amanda is most likely referring to uh, Haruki Murakami. I am, yes. Uh, he writes fantastic books. Uh, Ryu Murakami also wrote uh, the novel uh, for the film Audition, I like audition. That's in my and audition is pretty fucked. I saw that at a Calgary Film Festival when it came out, and uh, three people threw up in the theater, and almost everyone left. Um, it was a, a great experience, minus the smell. <laughs> so uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I like the director. I like the writer. I don't, I don't think there's anything but uh, good thoughts. It's going to be fucked up and fun. Excited. Nice. It's been a while since we had a. Uh a uh, full round table excited for a horror film. Nicholas, don't let us down, pal. Trailer number four tonight. Uh, This is the movie that beat out Mortal Engines due to producer bias. Hmm. This stars Natalie Portman. God damn it. Of course it it does. (laughs) And it is called Vox Lux.
Fox Lux. Can I say that right? <laughs> you can say it with a little bit more enthusiasm. No. But less yeah. disdain. Yeah, less disdain. Try it again with a little bit more upbeat, maybe. Rural juror. <laughs> Fox Lux. There we go. I'll take that. Here we go. So from the public's perspective, this has been a emotional few years for you. Can you tell us what audiences can expect from the new album? This is a culmination of my life's work so far. I was under a lot of stress after my accident. But that's what this show is about. It's about rebirth. about you. You're worried about me. All that matters is that you have an angle. I'm scared. Keep it simple. Amanda, worried or excited? Um, that is literally the first time I've seen a trailer for this film. I knew it existed and I knew vaguely what it was about, but now I'm very confused. I don't know where the movie is going. I I'm very torn. I know that Natalie Portman and Jude Law have a good chemistry um, from Closer. So I can see them having a very compelling, good vibe that will draw me in. Is this, what is this? I don't, I, I'm worried. Do you want an official synopsis or what? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Right, let's see what, it, let's see what it is here. It's pretty long. Okay. What, what synopsis do you have? Intern, go ahead with your synopsis. <laughs> Uh, Vox Lux follows the rise of Celeste from the ashes of a major national tragedy to pop star stardom, superstardom. The film spans 18 years and traces important cultural moments through her eyes, starting in 1999 and concluding concluding in 2017. In 1999, teenage Celeste survives a violent tragedy. After singing at a memorial service, Celeste transforms into a begrudging pop star with the help of her sister songwriter, and talented manager. So this Celeste, is going to be like, yeah, like Lady Gaga 
meets Forrest Gump. Uh, but the songs are by Sia, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, she has a very Lady Gaga look in a lot of her costumes and stuff that she's wearing, which was throwing me off. Um, well, Sia's pretty similar. She yeah. normally no, sings sure. behind her hair or whatever. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I'm just like... I... Vox Lux means the voice of light in Latin. <laughs> I think it comes down to this. Unlike Nathan, aka the producers of the show. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, oi, oi. I no longer trust Natalie. Uh, I think that she's made a lot of poor choices in recent memory. Black Swan was 2009. That's a long time ago. That was a long time ago. And I just don't. I, if, I, I don't care about this movie. What if I help you? And I say that Natalie Portman shot her part in only 10 days and is only in half of the movie. Then what are you selling me? Jude Law. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm worried. I'll just take an official word. <laughs> One hour. One hour, 50 minutes. Rated R. Daniel. Yeah, to me, Natalie Portman is the professional V for Vendetta. V for and, Vendetta was fucking good. And Black Swan. Yeah. <clears throat> That's her to me. Everything else in between is, uh, I don't really care. But <laughs> I, I like all those movies, like, despite her or in spite of her or however you say it. Um I I want this to be Beetlejuice meets Forrest Gump through the eyes of some alter ego Lady Gaga knockoff. There's something interesting about that like prospect to me. I feel like because Natalie Portman is one of those actors to me that like when I see them play a big character like this, they're just like I'm acting, I'm acting. And so if they can corner it right in like this in like a really exotic weird character that's sort of cast off to the side a little bit like you said like it was half the movie and it's also from the perspective of her manager jude law who's much more interesting to me in this trailer um i could almost be down for this i'm i'm gonna say worried but i'm way less worried than all of you thought maybe that i would be with this (laughs) yeah i know i i thought that both of you would be worried but natalie portman is a good actress and even saying that like because annihilation happened this year she was solid in that Jane got a gun. I don't think anyone else is here has seen that except me, but it was also pretty good. Despite yeah, it was surprising. Yeah, despite all the chaos. And I don't think that she's had a negative track record the way that some people would think that she has. There has been some weird movies that she did. I think she like directed one in a different language. I mean, good for you. But lately she's been a little bit too like podium, podium girl, you know? It's like Jake Gyllenhaal has managed to escape all of the social justice bullshit. No allegations against him. He's squeaky clean thus far. Natalie Portman is standing up and like making comments about Jessica Simpson and stuff and getting a bunch of blowback and she's starting to piss me off. So I'm not like super Natalie Portman guy right now. But the YouTube comments from people who saw this movie at at, uh, Toronto International Film Festival are tossing around some pretty crazy statements. They're saying shit like, Never seen anything like it in my life. Wild, wild ride. Goddamn masterpiece. Kubrick level good. Bravura performance. Blah, blah, blah. Don't trust people who put comments on YouTube. <laughs> it no, just, but I, I, I'm kind of glad to hear that because I feel like it validates what I was feeling because I was watching it like, why am I weirdly kind of into this? Yeah, I think I think I kind of wanted Tim Burton to have directed this. There's something about this trailer that is actually kind of impressive to me. And I think this could be like this is kind of out of out of character for her. I'm surprised to see her doing this. I was not surprised to hear that Rooney Mara was initially in this role and Natalie Portman took it over. 
So I don't think that they were. She was the first choice for this. So it's kind of like I don't know. But she's got she's got skills, and I I don't deny that. So I mean, like Daniel was saying, professional V for Vendetta, Black Swan. The lady's got skills. Maybe this is another moment. And Jackie, despite it being kind of boring and from a you know story standpoint, pretty basic, she still did a great job in that too. So I'm yeah, gonna, I forgot she played Onassis. Yeah, I'm gonna give this my my general Natalie Portman excited. Because she's the the woman's got skills. Hey, intern. Um, I have uh, conflicting feelings about this. I think one of the things that's most interesting about it is that it's um, a representation of right now. So famous pop star right now and interacting with the world right now, which I'm generally not very interested in. But I you... think that this is going to be done well enough that I'll enjoy it. Um, normally if it's a story about right now, it should be about, uh, drugs or priests molesting kids, um, to draw my, my interest. But, uh, I think I'm going to give this a go. I'll give it a Napo bump (laughs) and, uh, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. I won't be surprised if I hate it. And I won't be surprised if I like it. Right. It's kind of a weird one. Is there going to be a scene with her? Like watching tv you know early september 2000 2001 she's gonna get like oh my god look both towers (laughs) yeah what happened so she has an accent at the beginning in the first scene jersey accent and then she doesn't have it later she's just got her regular voice (sighs) oh she can't you can't put the her with jude law and have them be make make american accents together it's just like a garbled factory well but she's not trying to she's trying to have a jersey accent (sighs) or some some northeastern situation (laughs) i just does this make does this make her a bad actress or is this worked into her faking it that to be the persona in the film because if that's the case then that's interesting that's slow-mo of her at the end of the trailer with that frowny pouty lip <laughs> in that one scene with that slow-mo scene i'm like oh i get why people hate her <laughs> just like oh that's why oh <laughs> that's gross <laughs> so are you worried or excited right now intern uh, i'm gonna i get a nap pole bump excited uh daniel you you have very few opportunities left Oh yeah, I forgot that to I had use that. Your about face to abuse your power. Yeah. Okay. That means that. Well, I get you know you could cascade it across whatever movie you wanted to. You could still use it on yourself. <laughs> uh, five hole. Uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> no, I'm actually digging that. Here we go. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man. Swings in once a day, zip zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. 
Yeah, I know that. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I wanna hear it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip. And release. You're a natural swim. Hey guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another, another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our universes. Soon. Brooklyn is going to collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Miles, what's wrong? This was never your city. It's mine. If I don't destroy the collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different? Let's go. Is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak him out. Nathan, back to you. Worried or excited? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. PG, one hour, 57 minutes. It's another Spider-Man movie in the five hole. Will the Gyllenhaal Mysterio bump turn far from home into a headliner? Stay tuned. God damn it. <laughs> I would rather Gyllenhaal be in this, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, to be to clarify who is in this, uh, we've got Nicolas Cage as the voice of Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. 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 And uh, the main Miles Morales uh, character is uh, the lead from Dope, that movie Dope. Perfect. Such a good movie. And yeah. uh, is the like regular Spider-Man, Spider-Man universe character? Is that the guy from New Girl? Yes, Jack Johnson. Yeah, Jack Johnson. And is it is the is Spider Ham? Is that John Mulaney? It is. Yes. Oh my God, babe. Good job. <laughs> and Gwen uh, Gwen Stacy is uh, Haley Steinfeld. Steinfeld. And there's also Chris Pine is in the cast list as Peter Parker's voice for some reason. And I'm sure we'll figure that out. Right. Uh, he's not in the trailer, though. I didn't hear his voice in the trailer. Animation looks cool. Cuts are a little fast, a little nauseating in the trailer, but I think it'll be fine because the cuts won't be the same in the movie, I don't think. It's a fun idea. Looks like a fun time. Intern told me that he read this whole comic book storyline, but apparently in the storyline, uh, there's like 30 different Spider-Men, and it looks like they're cutting it down here, so that's a good thing. And... Um, uh, someone should consider what is this note here? Someone should consider using an about face fuddy duddy flip flop token on a naysayer for this movie. Oh, hey, I don't. I'm way ahead of you. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, good. I just I don't, I don't mean to coach. I just you know this is the last opportunity really. Uh, I'm obviously excited because if I didn't, Chelsea would probably uh, 
you know, carve me up. So, and I am actually excited. This looks like kind of like Iron Giant style animation. Like I'm actually interested. I like multiple dimension stuff a lot too. Very interested, excited. Amanda? Oh, I think it looks super cute. Hmm. Super duper cute. I think it looks very fun. I knew this movie was coming out, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, and me being the pissy pants that I am, I was mad that like we were going to do this movie and we didn't do Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I get it. This looks, it looks so fun. It looks, I, it, I, I, no, I have nothing bad to say about this. I love all of the voice choices, the cast of characters that we have. And I think it's going to be very fun. I'm excited. Intern. Well, this story is one of the worst stories <laughs> that I've read in the Spider-Man series. Um, this animation gets me really excited because I think that superhero movies should be more cartoon than live action. Like if the Marvel universe was done in cartoon, I would probably like it a lot more uh, than I do right now. It just gives you the opportunity to make things fake um, because they look fake. And that's normal because it's a cartoon. Um, I'm pretty excited to watch this, but I'm concerned because the story was so bad in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse epic six-month comic thing that happened last year. Um, and it does have the same the same guys. I saw them in the second viewing. The, the bad guys that are killing all the Spider-Men are the same ones in here. I don't know. I have concerns. I dare you to say worried. Oh, Daniel, I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, let me, let me come in last year and then we're going to do some magic. <clears throat> so this is a really bizarre convergence of a lot of things for me. I hope I can keep them all straight and I don't forget any. Uh, one, when I was a kid, I was super into Marvel. I loved uh, Marvel comic cards, particularly Marvel masterpieces from 1992. Uh, that got me into sort of the, the whole comic world in general, not reading comics per se, but just learning all the characters in the universe. That part fascinated me. And what always was weird to me, it was like there was Marvel, there was DC, but then within Marvel, almost as big as the universe itself was the X-Men universe. And then almost as big as that was the Spider-Man universe. And I was like, why does Spider-Man have such a huge fucking universe? I don't get it. Now I get it. Now I'm starting to get the whole like bizarre, uh, vast expanse of the Spider-Man universe. Two, um, I've been playing just weirdly and conveniently a lot of uh, Lego Marvel superheroes too, uh, which has a heavy bend on the Spider-Man universe and sort of steals from this story. And then it just puts a bunch of weird comic dimensions together so all the characters have different versions you know there's like noir uh this character and uh future this character and all that kind of crap and so i've, I've actually been playing around literally hours ago playing around with spider ham <laughs> so immediate attachment right there and then three uh weirdly it's been all the animated spider-man stuff that i actually prefer story-wise like that spider-man game that came out for ps4 i actually like that story in the game better than i think any of the movies story-wise so i think this has a chance to be i think much better than the comic series that uh in turn is obviously upset with so i'm gonna give it an excited and i'm gonna go ahead and do my flippity roo bubbity boo on interns and let's make everyone excited nice work cousin nice work yeah the about face fuddy duddy flip-flop token has been used on the intern for spider-man into the spider-verse to shake sh shake the bias 
and bring him back in line. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. I'm glad to be back on board. <laughs> Thanks for the setup. <laughs> So, for those of you who are not aware, the second part of Trailer Park Podcast is not for the billion. I mean, you can you can stick around, you can listen if you want to, but the second part of Trailer Park Podcast is for us to de-stress, to unravel, to relax and enjoy each other's company. Your presence is not necessary. If you feel like bowing out, that's fine. We know, we know. We listen to podcasts all the time. We know that when you get to a certain part in the podcast, you're like, eh, fuck this. That's fine. Go ahead, say fuck this. Move on to the next episode or whatever it is you're listening to. We get it. However, if you want to spend some time with us as we unravel and relax, feel free. Daniel, Amanda, thank you for joining me on the roundtable tonight. If you have anything you've watched recently that you want to get off your chest, you want to share things, you want to just talk randomly, please entertain me. I have a few things, but I'll I'll defer. I'll defer. Um, Amanda has a movie that's relevant. I did. I saw a movie that is in the theatres hmm. that um, I don't think anybody else is going to see. But uh, when it comes out on like streaming, I will, for sure. I saw Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> the Taron Edgerton, Jamie Foxx, Robin Hood that is being attacked ferociously by every critic. Yes, I saw it. I saw it with my my lady friends. I saw it for my birthday because that's what I wanted because I have sexual feelings about the character that is Robin Hood. Wait, you have sexual feelings towards Taron Edgerton or you have sexual feelings towards Robin Hood? The latter, Robin Hood. So are you a Robin Hood? Do you like feel a little uncomfortable when you watch Prince of Thieves? I love Prince of Thieves. Prince of Thieves is the best installment of Robin Hood. She so, wants to be made Marion, yeah. yeah. So, well, also, my first, I think, crush was probably Robin Hood from Disney, The Fox. Oh, Jesus. And, oh, that was the first, like, you know, one of the first cartoon hotties that I had a confusion over as well. So beast, and and I'm not alone in that. I am not weird in that. That is something from my generation. But that is bestiality, though. It doesn't I mean, matter. Kind of, not really. There's a different name for it. I forget what it is when it's animated. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Did I, was I into Ariel as a child in the Disney movies? No, I wasn't because I'm a pervert. I was into Ursula. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this movie and it was it was so bad <laughs> it was negative scale know, bad or just zero bad it was like like a half a negative like a <laughs> 0.5 negative that's terrible it was so close to being good bad but it it didn't quite cross the threshold <sighs> um so overall it was a waste of time <sighs> that being said I wasn't mad about it when I left because it was so fast paced. It was so fast paced as to be confusing. Mm. Like what is happening? I was never bored because it was just whipping through mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> to the point of not making any kind of sense. Was the Lars Anderson bow and arrow stuff, did it have value? Did it contribute? I guess. I don't mm. know. Not really is what I'm getting. 
It was just, it was just you, bad. It, you wanted to be. It was like the Meg. It was like, nah, that's not what I wanted. <sighs> the Meg it sucks worse. too? I need it worse or I need it better or different. It was I, just bad. I have the Meg loaded up. Like, I'm, I was going to watch it. Are you telling me I shouldn't watch the Meg either? The Meg's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not... To, it's, it's kind of it's good background noise turn it on while you're cleaning the house or whatever it, it's a one i think we said it before it's a one we wanted a negative two it's a plus one Ugh. yeah it's not terrible but it is mm. it's it is what it is great trailer though i like pointing out when the trailer like really sells you on something that just fucking sucks <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a true like that's that's what the guy that's what we're in the biz for yeah the Meg we trailer. Gotta, we gotta polish this piece of shit. Was tip top. The Meg trailer was awesome. I really liked it. I will say that Robin Hood. I think that they were hoping that it would be good or better received or more successful because they definitely one hundred percent teed it up for a sequel. And when you get to the end, it's like they're not making another one of these. <laughs> the, the real. I'm gonna admit something. The real reason why I said worried for Robin Hood was because I watched the Graham Norton show and. Mm-hmm. Taron Edgerton was on it, and it looked like he had snorted coke before he went out there. Oh, yeah. I was like, there's I, something off about Edgerton in this talk show. I feel like he like he was just like sweating profusely more than the other people. I feel like he did drugs before he went out there to jack himself up so that he could talk positively about it. And I was like, he's ashamed of this shit. This mm-hmm. movie is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that you that you see it as like a direct correlation because I just assumed that was him. Like to me, Edgerton in real life is probably like uh, McAvoy in filth. <laughs> uh, I it was the first time I ever had a reaction like that where I was like, "There's something off." I don't know. I feel it's like- all the fantasy hockey stuff. You're seeing stuff. <laughs> You're seeing the details. I'm just examining. All right, I got to issue a uh, shit through a goose to a movie. All right. Mm. All right. Uh, Juliet Naked, starring Rose Byrne and Ethan Hawke, and that uh, funny Irish fellow. I forget his name. But Colin Carroll? No, 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 no. He's the guy with the beard, and he was in Bridesmaids. He was the cop in Bridesmaids that she was driving back and forth in front of. Oh, oh yeah, hey. yeah. Yeah, that guy. Anyway, the premise of the movie is really cool. Like, the trailer is kind of fun. It it uh, so, so the guy from Bridesmaids is obsessed with this... Um, kind of indie rock star guy back in the day. His name's Tucker Crow, and he's just obsessed with him. He's got posters all over the wall. He's obsessed about every music he does. And in the trailer, it makes you think that um, this guy's got an obsession with this indie rock star, and Rose Byrne ends up, you know, sending, you know, an email or a feeler out to him because she's dating this guy, and she ends up connecting with him, and Ethan Hawke is the Tucker Crow character, and he ends up like getting involved with this guy's girlfriend and stealing the girlfriend away from him. So like essentially his idol or his legend that he obsesses about steps into his life and takes his girlfriend away from him. Right. Which is actually pretty funny. Storyline. That's what the trailer sells. The trailer sells you on the idea that, you know, that's gonna happen. Which I think is, you know, it, it led me to watch the movie. And what you find out is that the guy from Bridesmaids cheats on her before Tucker Carlson even enters the movie. Or T- Tucker Crow, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Tucker. Before Ethan Hawke even enters the movie, he cheats on her. The relationship is broken up before Tucker Crow even enters into it. Like, the movie is completely different from what the trailer suggests that it is. Right. So, for that reason, um, 
Juliet Naked, you're garbage. You're not the movie I wanted to watch. You're not the movie you advertised, and you get a shit through a goose. Put a sock on it, boy. Or else you'll be out of here like shit through a goose. <laughs> <laughs> what a great clip. Yeah, that is weird. It like, kind of robs the whole justification of it out of the... Yeah, no, because, completely. Because now you're like, well, I don't give a shit. I'm great. Now, yeah. now she cheats on him. And, and to add in, insult to injury, Ethan Hawke has like children from three different mothers, and it's all about the chaos of his life, and he's living in a garage, and like, it's just all this like epic drama of his life and, and her pandering to his nonsense and developing some... Like I shut it off. I didn't finish the movie because I was so upset about how ridiculous this alternate story was compared to what I was sold on. So fuck you, Juliet Naked. You know, you know what, I w- what I would have wanted for that movie, for this Juliet Naked movie? I wish they would have taken the plot from the D train and <laughs> put it into this movie. Because I think that would have made a really fucked up, like good dark comedy, is that he like loves this singer, he idolizes him, he wants to be him, his girlfriend reaches out, introduces them, and then in a fucked up night of like drugs or him taking him <laughs> into his world for a second, they end up fucking each other. Oops. Oh, that would have been better too. Anything would have been better. I just, I just wanted to be given what I was sold on. Yeah, uh, that is a, a mirror What is that? Trailer betrayal. I don't know. What we, do we have a special name for that? We should come up with a clip for trailer betrayal. I just threw shit through a goose out there because I was trying to find something to uh, embody how I feel. It's a great clip for any reason. <laughs> Dale, do you have anything? We do. We have a couple of things. Not movies. We've been sort of lazy and doing background TV kind of stuff, but. I don't, did we, we mention it before already? I can't remember. What we do want to plug the Goldbergs. Okay. If um, if you haven't watched the Goldbergs, we had not, and I just started it because basically, like Daniel said, I've been extremely lazy. Like I've not wanted to watch anything that requires a lot of attention or emotion for me. I've just wanted things that are light and funny and and that. And so I just started watching the Goldbergs, even though like when it first started several years ago. And I saw the initial trailers. I was like, oh, they're trying to do that 70s show, but that 80s show. And I, it doesn't look good. It, does, it looks like it's trying too hard and I'm not interested. I was wrong. This, it is very charming, very endearing. It's very funny. It's, it's a sitcom. It's super formulaic, whatever. But it's... Can I get a caveat on this? Hmm. Just because, I mean, Daniel and I, back in the... Like last couple of years, we were doing uh, uh, upfront stuff. Didn't do it this year because honestly, network TV has just fallen apart into a shambles. So just a bunch of nothing but zero, <laughs> zero one point fives. Yeah, it wasn't even worth doing it this year because I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not going to talk about Murphy Brown." So it's <clears throat> yeah, it is already canceled, and the Connors, and the rest of it. It's become like some sort of political like web of yeah. chaos. I don't even understand it. Right. But the point is, is that. We were, I think we did the Goldbergs, or at least the Goldbergs was, you know, around the time period that we were doing the upfront stuff. And I checked it out and I watched the first couple episodes and I was like, "Mm, nope, I'm out. So my question to you is, did you watch it from episode one or did you like step into wherever it is? Because oftentimes with sitcoms, it's like it might start off a little rough. Like pretty much any sitcom that is uber successful, you go back to the first season, you're like, ooh, a little rough at the beginning. But it finds its stride, like season two, season three, and it starts to like crush it, you know, season three, season four. So it's like there's kind of a formula to how how well a sitcom starts to mesh with itself, you know? Yeah. No, I started it with season one, episode one, 
And yes, like like all sitcoms, they do. They have to like find their characters. They sort of have to start to gel with each other, find their chemistry. I would say with the Goldbergs, it takes maybe 10, 12 episodes in the first season before I started like really fucking lolling. Like, That's fair. That's fair. Just because, I mean, it's like you say, you say, yeah, it's super formulaic. You, you give that um, preface to it. And that's the same preface you would give to any sitcom, really, because... I mean, when you binge watch a sitcom, whether it's Frasier, The Office, whatever it is, you know, there is, uh, you know, some leeway given because you know what's coming or you know how good it can be. And yeah, with that feedback, I would say I'll give the Goldbergs another shot for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll add that it's, it was one of those where I, I remember covering it on, on the upfronts and not being interested at all. And then I remember hearing people around me talking about it and like, oh, I'm going to rush home and watch the Goldbergs. And I was like, ugh. And when I started watching it, you were like, oh, you're watching this. Yeah, I was so <laughs> against it. And, then, and I mentioned this too uh, to Amanda because it's like part of it is that Adam Goldberg, like the guy, the the, the dad in the show, he, uh, I remember, it's not Adam Goldberg. or is what's his name, actual name? I thought it was, I thought his actual name was Adam Goldberg. Adam Goldberg is the kid from whose perspective the entire story is told. From. Right. Isn't that the actor's name? The, the dad is Murray Goldberg. Yeah, in the show. But what's his what's his actual name? As his actor name? Oh, the guy from Arrested Development. Uh, from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, the, I don't I don't know his name. Do you remember Larry David's friend in Curb Your Enthusiasm, Nathan? I do, but that's not Adam Goldberg. That's uh, Jeff something. I thought it was. Either way, he's Jeff he played, J- Jeff Garland. Jeff Garland. There you go. Yes, he uh the the middle child. The youngest child in the show is him from when he's a kid. And then he's playing his own father. That's like what the show is, the Goldbergs, isn't it? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> the the voice yeah. that is narrating the show is Adam Goldberg. Right. The youngest child is Adam Goldberg. Right. And Jeff Garland is playing the father. But I thought it was all based on Jeff Garland's life. No. It's all based on the kid's life. In real life. Yes. In it, real life. Isn't he pulling from... His, his own a, life as a child? Yes. yes, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. He's pulling from his own life Jeez. as a child because the, sh- the show is based on the as a, on him as a kid. Yeah. But he's, as an actor, he's playing his own father. Do you, does that not make sense? He's not playing his dad. No. The actor that plays the dad in the show yeah. has nothing to do with the show itself. Who's, who's, who's all that video footage of then? Adam Goldberg, a completely no-name person that you know nothing about. So that's, that's not him. No. Oh, okay. No. It loses <laughs> it loses credit then for that. <laughs> I'll what? say I'll say that's the good. only true thing that can be said here, like 100% truth, and that's that both of us were severely wrong about how long this show would go. Oh yeah. Yeah. This thing's into the, it's what 6th or 7th season here. Yeah, it's still going. Yeah, despite me misunderstanding <laughs> that debacle. Um I was drawn in eventually, like from from totally against it to yeah put it on he's standing in the room laughing and chuckling and not Uh, being able to walk away right because it's cute okay so compared to what what modern family same arena Mm, no Mm. no it's it's very sincere it's actually that's what actually gives it like it's that's what makes its comedy work to me anyway it has a lot of people from reno 911 uh in the show and then it's just you can tell these are real family moments that happened in the 80s they feel familiar and they're based on real like events Uh, from the writer because everybody has their own like you know they they gravitate towards different 
um, sitcoms. And I've always been kind of a Frasier office type person. And yeah. um, like I, I've been I've been binge watched both of those like more than once. So I mean, Modern yeah. Family, I've only been able to do like once. So I'm looking for a new one. So this could be uh, this could be fun. That '70s show, I think I did once. I've watched that 70s show at least three times. I will say that I've done like the first couple seasons, like two, three, four, five, maybe more than once, but skirted six, seven, and eight a couple times. Oh, yeah, because it's when it gets terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then if you're looking for that sort of thing, I mean, the other show that we watched might be more appropriate what? for that sort of background, you know, chewing, chewing up the chewing up some noise, uh, Jeopardy. Oh yeah, we've gotten hardcore into Jeopardy. <laughs> they slapped a they slapped a few like tournaments like strings on to uh, Netflix and Hulu. I saw that shit. I was I was intrigued. I was like, oh, oh there's like a package of Jeopardy. Girl, hey Chelsea, want to watch some Jeopardy? Oh yeah, we, we we've been having a blast with it. Like it just they just keep rolling one into the other. You start following the actual people because they're they they take chunks of the season for either for a tournament or for like, the, like following an interesting person, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and so now I record them, the current ones, like the live new episodes now, and we watch those. And in January, Jeopardy's doing an all-star tournament, and I can't wait. And Alex Trebek in these like, later years has just sort of like stopped caring, I guess, really, about, okay. you know, he hears like a... He's a dick. He hears a nerdy story from them during that interview segment, and he's just like, okay, well, that was awkward. All right, next. Okay, well... <laughs> Our categories. Yeah. What is Alex... Okay, is Alex... What is the most important thing about Alex Trebek? Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> no. What is the most important thing about Alex Trebek? His mustache? No. No. The most important thing, I'll tell you, the most important thing about Alex Trebek is that he's Canadian. Okay. Mm. All right. Um, I'm going to share with you a movie that I watched earlier today. Leave No Trace, starring Ben Foster, that we did on TPP. I'm sure you'll remember. Oh, where it's like a dad and the daughter out in the wilderness, blah, yep. blah, blah. Na, 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 That song was playing throughout it, mm-hmm. the trailer. And it's not in the movie, by the way, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie's pretty decent. They keep it pretty simple and it's pretty solid. I know that uh, Daniel specifically not very into the drama movies, so I don't think I would recommend it to him. But I would recommend it to you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty solid. Every scene is pretty solid and delivered pretty well, executed pretty well. And there's something about this lady that write, wrote and directed this movie. She's the one that uh, potentially found Jennifer Lawrence for Winter's Bone or gave Winter's gave Lawrence her, her true shot with Winter's Bone. And this girl that she's found for this Leave No Trace movie is excellent. Like really good. Like Thomason. Her name's Thomason McKenzie. And she's fucking awesome. And she does a great job, and I took a look at her on IMDb Pro Plus, and she's got, like, several projects lined up with serious people. This girl is going to explode. So, Thomason Harcourt McKenzie is her full name, and watch out, because she is awesome. And Leave No Trace, pretty decent, recommend it. She's going to be a star. And Ben Foster, he gives another solid, epic awesome performance that guy is nothing but consistent i don't understand why they don't put this together but hollywood you need to throw money and roles and everything you got at scientologists because they got nothing but consistency and Mm -hmm. effort and 
time. That's all they do is crush. Oh, that, that's why, no. Crush they, shit. That, that's why. But okay. I was going to say, is it is he short? Ben Foster short? Mm, Hollywood see. has like a sort of bias or a bigotry against short people. No, not really. No, they have to be like really short. Tom Cruise is 5'7". Five, 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 to Tom Cruise. Uh, ben Foster is 5'9". Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He's he's got intensity to him though, and yeah, like give him give him more work, give him attention. I had nothing but time for that guy. He was in that uh, Hostiles movie with Chris Christian Bale too, and that was pretty decent. I want to see Ben Foster and Ethan Embry in a movie, like two bald that bald dudes <laughs> kick ass. Ben Foster can handle pretty much anything, so I don't care what it is. Just get him involved because. Scientologists have nothing but focus and execution. That's all they got. Thomason, Harcourt, McKenzie. Remember the name because it's going to be huge. Anything else? Nope. No? I'm going to do one quick shout out. I started watching some Christmas movies because it's Christmas time. And Chelsea and I tried to bring other Christmas movies into our harem of Christmas movie watching. Mm-hmm. And we started watching this older Christmas movie called The Family Stone. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a weird one. Uh, it's really, you should try to watch it again because like all the social justice shit that's going on right now, like mm-hmm. that movie is incredibly uncomfortable. We couldn't finish it. Sarah Jessica Parker is like <laughs> throwing she- shit out at the dinner table about the gay couple having a kid and like saying really inappropriate shit that people will get lit up for nowadays. So it's, it's just like not what you want. You're like. You, yeah, was you that want to think I was about my burden list. No way. I would have never put that on a burden list. Hmm. It was rough as fuck. I I don't know. There's so many people in it that you're like, this should be good. And you're like, oh my God. No. No. You are not in my harem. You are garbage. In fact, I'm gonna get a give it a shit through a goose. Put a sock on it, boy. Or else you'll be out of here like shit through a goose. Yeah. Get out of here, family stone. You're garbage. And uh Muppet Christmas Carol also. Not worth your time. <laughs> I don't like that one. It's not. It's not. It's not bad. You know. It's not terrible. It's not shit through a goose worthy. But it's. I don't know. It's tough to break through. We've got Die Hard, which we usually start off with, and Die Hard is you know masterpiece action movie. Uh, Grumpy Old Man, uh, Love Actually. Um, fuck. Home Alone. Oh, The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. That one's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Home Alone. Good one, Dale. There's like a a clump of genuinely awesome Christmas movies, but you run out too quickly. Elf is pretty good too, and but, Gremlins, yeah. Yeah, Gremlins is good too, but you run out. You need more in your harem to last the entire Christmas season. We're trying to add, but we can't because they're garbage. That's the basic message. Yeah. It's been a while since like a really good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched Christmas Vacation this morning with Chevy Chase, and uh, I hear my dad's laughter in my head, and it it really it makes it happen for me. But there's weakness there. There's definitely weakness. Yeah, there is. After like 900 viewings, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a few scenes where I chuckle. You know, you know, Christmas is the time to be merry. Oh well, that's my name. <laughs> yeah. And the Julia Louis Dreyfus shit with the uh, neighbor next door, I once thought was funny, but now I'm like uncomfortable. <laughs> it's upsetting. But anyway, anyway, I'm dragging the round table on. I'm sure you guys got shit to do. I uh, I thank you for joining me tonight and having fun with me. It is uh, it is time to go. 
Yeah, and cool billion. Feel free. Uh, those phone calls are great. Uh, feel free to call in all of you <laughs> as much as you want. Next time, I expect to hear twelve or thirteen of them. So awesome. Well, maybe we'll just double down next time, and maybe some different people can call in, and uh, we could talk about that. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where to go because if you don't she's know, drunk, like a, she's drunk like a cartoon. We yeah. gotta go. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not going to tell you where to go because if you don't know by now, then uh, then you're not a real fan, or you're late to the party. And either way, that shit's on you. Am I right? Yeah, just scream Trailer Park Podcast into your uh, into your Alexa, <laughs> and uh, we'll pop up somewhere. That sounds perfect. Let's do it that way. Mm.